So, we've heard this word a lot this morning, Advent. Why Advent? A friend of mine joked, it was actually Tom Osborne, if you remember, some of you, the uh, Methodist minister, that uh, on the 1st of December, he said, well, Advent hasn't actually started yet. Uh, my response to him was, of course it has. We've opened a calendar. We've opened one of the chocolate windows. Of course it started. But in the church life, it hadn't quite started yet. Advent, a Christian event. I was at a re- we were at a recent church meeting and uh, Carl, who came and spoke, spoke about uh, something to do with Baptists. And I looked around the room and I've done it before. There are very few of us that would say we have been Baptists all our life. In fact, I probably count it on one hand. We've come from a, a different uh, group of churches and that's fantastic. It adds to the richness. So I, I feel I need to stand here and just say... Maybe the Baptists haven't quite followed the church calendar as closely as some other traditions have. Uh, When I meet with my colleagues from around the town, uh, they always joke that they have to explain Lent to me and Advent to me. Um, But I do believe that Advent is very important. No matter what tradition you are from, it's really important. It's not just important because children and children at heart get chocolate each day. It's not just important because it gives us a reminder that we better get our skates on with Christmas presents to save the last minute uh, uh, petrol station presents that we can buy. But it reminds us the importance of waiting, of anticipation, of longing. You see, the important thing about Advent is we are not in Christmas yet. We don't start singing carols yet. Because we're not proclaiming Jesus is here. We're proclaiming he is coming. Some of you will be putting your decorations up. I'll allow it. It's okay. But just remember that this is a time of waiting and longing. Sometimes we are not good at waiting. I'll be if we're honest. I remember as a child having this tradition on Christmas Day that we'd go to church in the morning. I was allowed to open one present before lunch. We'd have lunch and then we'd open presents after lunch. The washing up on Christmas Day seemed to take an absolute age. And as a child, okay, I'll confess, I wasn't the first person to put my hand up and help to speed the process along. But it felt that once you finished your Christmas dinner, you just sat there, waiting, waiting. Come on, hurry up with the washing up. I want to open my presents. And then it gets to the bit where mum starts getting impatient with dad. Come on, you you can leave some of the dishes by the side. No, I've got to pack everything away. Make sure it's in the right place. And it's just longing and waiting. Do you know, and sometimes I'll confess, as an adult, I don't do waiting that well, if I'm perfectly honest. Waiting, uh, when <coughs> working in a previous church, I worked with a colleague who, if you said a meeting was at 2 o'clock, she'd turn up at 2.40. And that time of just waiting. Oh, what can I be doing? But this is what Advent is about. Sometimes we have to live in that frustration. 
living in the anticipation of now, but not yet. Now, but not yet. And that's why Advent is so important. Because it relates to the anticipation that the world had for the Messiah to come. God had promised a Messiah to come. One who would come and free them. And the Old Testament world was in that Advent-type situation of now, but not yet. We know the promise is there, we know it's real, but we have to wait. Having to wait. And so as we enter the account with the shepherds, you see the shepherds up there, helpful to remind ourselves what we're looking at. Let's just think at the moment, for about the shepherds. That's going to fall. Oh no, that's a candle burning, goodness. Um, children love to play the shepherds. We did uh, get in the picture where we had a nativity scene in Fourth Street last night, and we had loads of people come um, adults and children, and lots of the boys wanted to be shepherds. We only had one person wanted to be a king or a wise man, though all of them wanted to be shepherds. And it's fun, isn't it? You get to hold a little lamb, you get a crook, and uh, it's all good. Me and Jonathan from the Wesley were dressed up as well. I was dressed up as a first century butcher by the looks of things while I was wearing it. Jonathan was dressed up as a first century pirate, was the only thing we could work out what his costume looked like. Um, I'll show you a photo at some stage. But we were dressing up as well, and people were coming and wanting to be part of the nativity story. Adults, children family <coughs> but the shepherds are a strange bunch because as with a lot of things in our Christmas stories we sanitise them shepherds were unhygienic they were unclean they were the ones who stayed out in the fields all the time with the sheep they were not liked that much by society because they were unskilled workers. They had no real benefit to society apart from just looking after the sheep. They were a convenience more than anything. If we look at the passage, we read at the beginning that the shepherds were not working the fields, they were living out there. Living in the fields. Imagine when the rain came, how muddy that would be, how, how dirty that would be, how infections would spread from one shepherd to the neighbouring shepherd. But in all amongst the uncleanliness, in all amongst the despised by the others, who is it that the glory of the Lord appears to? It's them. It's them. It's the unclean, the unskilled, the unloved, the unwanted the abandoned. It is there that we read in our account today, the glory of the Lord shone around. Not just a little speck in the sky, but it shone around them. And a host of heavenly angels sang. Wow. Sometimes it's beyond belief, isn't it? Sometimes if we can't understand it, we, we don't want to believe it. 
we are led to believe that the sky was filled with, with the heavenly beings coming to the lowest of humanity. Jonathan, was, we were talking yesterday as we were doing this picture thing. Uh, the funniest moment for me was Jonathan being, uh, having a deep theological discussion with a 10-year-old as I walked away. Uh, me and Jonathan were um, making up rhymes saying, don't be a stranger, come and sit by the manger. Or, um, the, the kings travel for afar, come and sit under our star. Uh, those kind of things. Um, and the other one that we had, which might seem a little bit, but um, whether your name's Mary, Dave, or Bob, come and sit with the Son of God. And this 10-year-old said, he's not the Son of God, he's Joseph's son. At that point, I walked away and let Jonathan deal with that. Um, but in the incarnation of Jesus coming, it's the angels who present the message that Jesus is the need. Angels are, the, this is what I was saying, Jonathan shared with me, that he was saying, the angels are the messengers and Jesus is the news. And what do they say? Do not be afraid. You know, we read lots of times when angels appear, do not be afraid. I don't think it's because they're scary. <coughs> but our senses are blown. Our mind is blown by the presence of a heavenly being. It's an awe, a wonder. Do not be afraid. Pick your jaw up off the ground. I'm here with a message for you. But it's amazing, isn't it? That of all the people that the angels could have come and given this message to, Surely it would have been better than wise men. Send the angels to the wise men. They're important. They'd come and they'd share that message and people would believe them. No, we'll find out after Christmas that the wise men had to work it out for themselves. Go to the, to the Sadducees and Pharisees, the religious leaders. Give the message to them. No. I'm going to those who people have rejected and despised. And they are going to be the first. And they are going to be the ones who I challenge to respond. Do not be afraid, the angel said. Do not be afraid because this baby is going to be news for the whole world. And you are going to see. I wonder if you could go back and speak to those shepherds now and say, do you realise, do you realise the privilege you have to go to that baby in a manger, the Son of God, God here with us, and kneel in front of God's vulnerability, to kneel in front of this baby. But you see, the message for me of the shepherd is a, shepherds is a message that goes throughout the whole of scripture and the whole of humanity. You know, over these next few Advents, we're going to be looking, continuing looking at journeys and the journeys people made to come to this point in the story on Christmas Day. But we see all through scripture, 
through the work of Jesus, through the work of this baby, and through the work of after Christ was ascended, that God is journeying people from the fringe to the centre, from the outside into the centre. For the shepherds, it was both a physical journey of being out in the fields and having to journey into Bethlehem. From being on the outskirts of people's thoughts and everything to the centre of the greatest story ever told. And Jesus does it when he's older, doesn't he? He says to the tax man, who everybody rejects, hates and can't stand, come down that tree and come to the centre, let me eat with you together. He says it to the prostitutes. Come, be welcomed at this table. The Pharisees and Sadducees are appalled. Do you know who this woman is? Do you know her history? Do you know what she does? Yes, but come. He says it to the sinner to come and be forgiven. He pulls the people from the outside, rejected by society, and tells them to take a seat, a, a seat at the table of the Lord. You know, we're going to be sharing around this table. And some of the words we use sometimes are saying, if you feel you are far from God, come. If you feel that you've done lots wrong, come. Because it all comes back this Advent time to the manger but as we move on to the table the presence of God do not be afraid but God is going to call people in from all around to come and share in this table but the thing is that the shepherds had to make a decision didn't they they actually say let us Go, let us get up from where we are and take our sheep potentially and go. How often do we sometimes feel God calling us to do something but actually we're quite comfortable where we are, quite happy to sit in that place. The whole heavenly host could come around us and sing glory to God in the highest. And we could just still sit there going, oh, that was lovely, wasn't it? Amazing what they can do with CGI these days. But the shepherds had to physically say and respond, let us go. The journey of the shepherds reminds us that God's passion is for those others who are outside. And it's a challenging and a difficult reminder for churches for faith groups because the church exists not for its own glory but for God's glory and the church exists not to appease the people that are in it but to call and to challenge those who are outside of it as a minister I hope you understand that sometimes I have a huge balancing act how much do I spend outside the church how much do I spend doing things inside the church? How much time is spent up going and visiting people, 
and how much is spent going and being in the community and doing those things. It's a real challenge. And it's a challenge for each one of us. It's a challenge to remind us that the things that we are involved in, our work, the community groups we are placed in, the friendships we're part of, they are all part of God's incarnation and God's working within our community. But what about our own journey? Our own journey into the centre of God's presence. Sometimes we need to make that journey ourselves. We need to recognise that we've drifted from God a bit, that other things have become our priority. And we can either, like the shepherd, say, let us get up and go. Or we can just stay there drifting further and further away. What about helping one another? Helping one another to come into the centre of God's presence. How do we help others move from the fringe to the centre? Now in the story of the shepherds, the angels are the messengers. Friends, we are the messengers as well. We are the messengers to tell the world that Jesus Christ is the good news. We are the messengers. The message is for all. And so that's our challenge as we look at the journey of the shepherds. It might challenge our assumption of who's in and who's out. Because when Jesus came to earth, there was no in and out was follow me. Well, there was a bit of that, wasn't there? But people were challenged, come and follow me. Come into the presence of God. And for each one of us, that will look different. It's much easier when you're younger, isn't it? Remember, if you see someone on the playground playing alone, go and play with them. That's easy, isn't it? Something we've probably told children before. But it becomes more difficult as adults. How do we seek for people who are on the fringe? Maybe in our workplace. Maybe in our community. And how do we get alongside them and say the message of Advent, the message of Christmas is for you. Come, journey. Come and see this child who is going to change the world and it's going to change your life.